0: Hey there, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well being. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Mindy Pels, a hilariously smart fasting expert, all about the different types of fasting and how it affects your hormones. Dr. Mindy is a renowned holistic health expert who is on a mission to get a million people fasting. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and a top podcaster who had a private practice for many years. She has worked with thousands of women. She's also the founder of the Reset Academy, a private membership group where she teaches women how to sync a fasting lifestyle with their hormones. It was an absolute pleasure talking with her today as I get a lot of questions around fasting, intermittent fasting, and the menstrual cycle that she was all too happy to answer. Here's a clip from today's conversation.
1: Once we move into ovulation, so day, and I'm just throwing out some general, but day 11, I mean, no woman is exactly the same length or same cycle, but day 11 to day 15. What's interesting there, and this is the new nuance that I have, is that I actually don't think you should fast longer than 15 hours. Hmm. Let me tell you why. This is like literally brand new. I just put it in the book. I just made this declaration after watching all these women fast. If you have a high toxic load, what happens is when we have all these hormones come in and you're stimulating autophagy, you're going to get a detox reaction. So I've watched too many women when the hormones are high and they're really in these deep fasts, they're getting rashes, they're getting brain fog, they're getting constipation. And so I've switched to that ovulation window saying, let's just keep it about 15 hours. And really you want to love on your liver. You want to support your gut, eat a lot of the prebiotic, probiotic, polyphenol foods to help break down estrogen.
0: Fast, just 15 is great. You don't need to go more. Don't push it strong. That's just a small taste of the amazing show we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health and Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Mindy Pels, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. And I think you know this, that literally
1: you're like one of my favorite people. And I'm going to keep telling you that so that we can live in a little community together in a hormonal community. But it's really, I love being here. It was so exciting to see you on my
0: schedule. Oh my gosh, we always joke for the people that are listening, we always joke that we would like to be neighbors so we can just yes, hang out, pass the chocolate back and forth. Oh my gosh. Enjoy our Fridays together just because yeah, Poor Meg, when you get to the end of this, you're going to love 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 Mindy and everything she stands for and everything she says and her approach because I just find her hilarious and <laughs> yeah. so smart at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. What's well, so funny cuz I find you funny too. So I, sometimes I wonder like do other people find us funny? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> well, since we're I, you know glowing on you, let's do the introductions. Tell everybody who you are, a little about who you are, what you do, what you stand for, your book, everything, so they know who they're talking to. Oh no, you're gonna make me answer that question after I just poured my heart out to you. <laughs> I'm an, uh, Here's what I am. I'm an empty
1: nester. Mm. <laughs> I am a 52 year old woman. I am an author. I'm a podcaster. I'm a a crusader of truth. How about that? I love it. For women specifically. But in all truth, my educational background is as a chiropractor. About, I've been in practice for 26 years. About 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I started to realize that there needed to be more solutions other than structural ones. Although structure is great, I needed, I saw that the human body needed more nutrition, fasting, detox. So I jumped into that arena and Next thing I know, here I am in 2022, preaching the gospel of fasting for women. (laughs) That has become my thing. I got a book coming out with Hay House in December called Fast Like a Girl. Love it. And I know. Thank you. I love it. So that's really what I'm into now is empowering women to believe in their bodies again. And this is why I
0: love fasting. I feel like it's such a tool for women to do that. Well, you know, I'm here for that. And that's the entire topic of our conversation today because you know, we're gonna touch on fasting women going through who menstruate, who have a cycle, women who are perimenopausal and menopausal, different kinds of fasting. But really, honestly, I just want to start it off with like why fasting with the benefits of fasting? Cause there's so many educators out there who are anti-fasting. Women should not fast. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Oh my gosh. You sure? Yeah. They're mostly men doing that. But yeah. Mm.
1: So I think in a nutshell. We have to really go back to the understanding that we are primarily designed humans, but women is a little different to go without food. So we, when in this modern world where we're eating all day long at so much so that we can literally sit on our couch and have our food delivered to our front door without ever leaving our couch as wonderful and convenient and miraculous as that is that is hurting us on so many levels it's hurting our hormones it's hurting our inflammatory markers it's hurting our brain like so fasting for me is about bringing us back to this ancestral primal design that we have long forgot about and in that once you understand that you were meant to go out without food the next step is to realize that there's this whole medicine cabinet of neurochemicals that you can tap into as you start to go without food longer and longer, as you learn to vary your fast to your hormones, as you adopt what I call a fasting lifestyle, you're going to see a whole new way in which your body can operate. And that to me is so exciting.
0: I love that you mentioned how often people eat And that we can just with a click of a button order food, because I don't think people realize when they have that bite, that sip, that the finish off their children's meal, when they just grab a handful of this, a handful of that, multiple times it's happening through the day, especially as we've all moved, not all, but a lot of us have moved to work from home. And so the pantry and the refrigerator are always right there that we literally are eating little noshings all day long. Yep.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've been doing recently is fasting consults with like high performers. So I don't know if you know Jesse Itzler. Yeah, lovely man. And so he's got a group of us that are helping some of his high achieving clients with our expertise. And so I've been helping these men and women with fasting and timing their crazy lifestyle to fasting. And to your point, what I've learned is when you say to somebody, what time do you finish eating dinner? And they tell you eight, that is different than what time do you stop putting stuff in your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) That is nine, that is 10. And what time do you stop drinking? What time do you stop? It's like, when we look at fasting, it has to be that moment that you stop eating. That's when the timer starts. And I think we just are so used to putting stuff in our mouth all day. We never think, we're, we're not thinking about timing of food as much.
0: Oh, not at all. Can you explain like the different types of fasting that we're gonna talk about today? Everything from people who are brand new and they're like, oh, I've been hearing about this thing called intermittent fasting to other people who are doing longer than intermittent fasting, yeah hours days long fasting.
1: Yeah, so here's the way I look at it. In your 24 hour period, you wanna have a time period to compress your eating window, a time in which you start eating and leaving the rest of the time for fasting. I'll give you an example. Last night, the last thing I put into my mouth was at eight o'clock. And right before I hopped on here was the first food I had. I had coffee in the morning, but it was the first food I had. So from eight until two, I've technically been in a fasted state. But now once I open up my eating window, now I'm going to start eating and I'm going to fill my body up with good, nutritious food. So I'll do that for the next six hours as I'm hungry, and then at eight, I'll shut it down again. So the first step is we've got to take the 24 hours and compress it into eating time and fasting time. Once you've mastered that, then we can really trick this out. And this is where we go, okay, 13 hours, these, and I can go through all this, but I'll give you the overview, is 13 hours, these are the neurochemicals that kick in. 17 hours, this is what your body's doing. 24 hours, here's where gut repair comes. 36 hours, we're going down the fat-burning path. 48 hours, we're going after dopamine pathways. And 72 hours, we're rebooting the whole immune system. And when you go into those longer fasts, you're really getting all of that. So it's about dosage. It's really about how long, how many reactions do you want to have happen in your body? And that's how you choose the length fast. That is so
0: exciting. I love talking about fasting. I've learned so much from you, but I want to, I do want to sort of set the stage of who should not fast before we go yes. all into this detail. And at the very end, somebody's like, oh, wait, that's me. I'm pregnant or, you know, like I can't, I shouldn't do this, but maybe not like who shouldn't fast. I feel like you're always so pragmatic. On this.
1: <laughs> I feel like you asked me that because you know, these are the questions we get. <laughs> I know, no, I know you're, you're so good about that. Okay. Let's just dial it in. Uh, pregnant women. No. Like, no, there's not even a maybe, there's no. If you're pregnant, it's a no. Okay, handled that one. Second one, nursing women, you I would highly recommend you don't fast more than 15 hours. And the reason is you do not want to stimulate something called autophagy because in the process of autophagy, you can get cells that die, cells that have toxins in them, and those toxins are going to go into your breast milk. So no more than 15. And then the third category is eating disorders. Mm. Now, what I want to say on the eating disorder one, because this is really important to me because I have watched a lot of people with eating disorders change their relationship to food through fasting. If you have an eating disorder, you have to work with a coach. You have to work with somebody. You have to have your therapist involved. It needs to be a full team approach. And you have to go really, really slow where you're slowly compressing that eating window, elongating the fasting window but i if you know that you have orthorexia where you just get super controlling with your food and your health habits if you have a history of anorexia or bulimia you really you should involve a trained professional in it so that you can set yourself
0: up right perfect all right so we have we, we got that out of the way now we can move on <laughs> thank you <laughs> which is important which is imp- yeah. these are the questions we get as you know right, right. With, uh, people try to push it Well, I'm eight months pregnant. Are you sure I can't fast? No, 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 you are growing a human. You cannot fast. (laughs) No, like I don't even, what I always say is if you're pregnant,
1: you can work on your microbiome. You're going to pass your microbiome down to your baby. So eat a bunch of sauerkraut, bathe yourself in fermented yogurts, like whatever, but fasting is
0: not your tool. Right. Not now. Not now. Wait, wait, not now. Yeah. Okay. So now You've delivered the baby, you're not breastfeeding, we've moved on, you've got your cycle back. For the cycling woman, you and I have talked about this a lot, and I love that you honestly really thought so well through this concept, the idea of fasting around your menstrual cycle. Can you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. And this
1: is going to be fun because when I first thought of this, I called you and I I mapped it all out in like my crazy drawings. And I was like, what do you think, Carrie? How do you think about this? And since then, I've now applied it to that, what you and I originally started with to hundreds of thousands of women. Love it. I have some modifications. So are you ready? I'm ready, bring it. <laughs> okay, so this is the way I look at it. Day one through day 10, typically, and I, and there's a, gonna be some nuances to this, but typically we do well with fasting in general. And I so here's what I'll say. There are six different length fasts and they range from 13 hours to 72 hours. So if you want to experiment with those six length fasts, do them day one through day 10. Estrogen will thrive when you keep insulin down. That will be phenomenal. Now, if you want to go keto during that time, great, go for it. Now, the problem that we have is a lot of women will say, well, day one, day two, I don't really feel very good. Okay, yeah, there's a transition as you're coming out of your premenstrual into the menstrual part of your cycle, like, yeah, sometimes it takes a day or two for your hormonal balance to catch up. So mind those days and be aware though, usually by day two, you're ready to fast as deeply as you want. Once we move into ovulation, so day, and I'm just throwing out some general, but day 11, I mean, no woman is exactly the same length or same cycle, but day 11 to day 15, What's interesting there, and this is the new nuance that I have, is that I actually don't think you should fast longer than 15 hours. Hmm. Let me tell you why. This is like literally brand new. I just put it in the book. I just made this declaration after watching all these women fast. If you have a high toxic load, what happens is when we have all these hormones come in and you're stimulating autophagy, you're going to get a detox reaction. So I've watched too many women when the hormones are high and they're really in these deep fasts, they're getting rashes, they're getting brain fog, they're getting constipation. And so I've switched to that ovulation window saying, let's just keep it about 15 hours. And really you want to love on your liver, you want to support your gut, eat a lot of the prebiotic, probiotic, polyphenol foods to help break down estrogen. Fast, just 15 is great. You don't need to go more, don't push it strong. Then after that, we have that weird dip where hormones dip down. This is my layperson's terms, the weird. No, it's true that we feel it. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like you've gone from feeling like you could conquer the world to like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not as great as I think I am. (laughs) So that happens about day 16. Well, you have a funny little four-day window there, three-day window where as those hormones are down, you can go back into some longer fasts. I probably wouldn't throw a three-day water fast in there. I would put it in day one through day 10. But if you want to do a 24-hour fast where you can repair your gut, I'm really a big fan. In fact, this is that second dip after ovulation is a great time to do a 48-hour fast. We're seeing some... What that does based off research is it reboots the dopamine receptor sites. So it makes... uh, Because you're not getting food for dopamine. So you're literally resetting your dopamine pathways. Plus there's a- evidence that you open up new D2 receptor sites. So you actually oh. get, you make more dopamine receptor sites. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. So you could throw that in after ovulation. And then around day 19, no fasting. So this is where you got to chill out. You don't want to raise cortisol. If you're a, a very experienced faster and you're like, but I can't eat breakfast, then you really, I mean, just, you can't be stressed. You're not looking for a hormetic stress at that point. So you really want to keep it in a more nurturing place and not push the fast.
0: And why is that in that timeframe leading up to your period? So basically,
1: because of cortisol, when cortisol goes up, progesterone goes down. And I mean, depending on what age you are, any woman over 40, you need to pray to the progesterone gods every (laughs) single day of your life and thank progesterone. And if you're under 40, you know what? I have progesterone envy and you should absolutely be grateful for all your progesterone. So it's minding progesterone primarily. And when we go and we look at how insulin and glucose play into the hormones, one thing we know, and I've seen this also on CGMs, like thousands of CGMs where a woman will call me and she'll be like, I, and all of a sudden my blood sugar is really high and I don't know why and I didn't do anything different." And I'll say, what day your cycle are you on? And they'll be like, I don't know, like day 22, day 23. I'm like, yeah, because your body needs more glucose. It's actually more insulin resistant. It, it needs cortisol down to make progesterone. And we lo- have to love on progesterone.
0: It's. I have a CGM in right now, which is a continuous glucose monitor for those who don't know. And so I actually have it in right now. And I had it in, I had another one in a couple months ago and I forgot, I just, you can be a, hormone doctor and forget hormonal things. (laughs) And I was pissed. i was like, why is my blood sugar high for me? And I'm like, why, what am I doing wrong here? And then I realized I was like day 20. I'm a 28 day girl. So I was like day 26, 20, 25. And, you know, I was really, really pretty close to my period. And I was like, oh, of course there it is. Like that makes sense. I was craving carbs and my, I knew I had ovulated my, I knew my progesterone was probably pretty good. For decently well. I'm in my 40s, but still sometimes it gets decently well and making me more insulin resistant. So my glucose was higher than I expected. And it. I love that you talk about this because as women, our cycles are sometimes weaponized against us Mm. when really our cycle, we get excluded out of studies, right? We get excluded out of research because our cycle is forever changing with good reason. But yet understanding our cycle, just like you explained it, we can use it to our extreme advantage of knowing that either how to work out, how to fast, what our blood sugar is doing, and why. Because in that time frame, in theory, if we wanted to, we would be nourishing implantation. Yeah, I'm not looking to nourish implantation, <laughs> but my body doesn't know any different, and so it's like, yo, we need lots of glucose, we need some progesterone. Like, let's make this. If she were to happen to have gotten pregnant, this let's make it a good month. Yeah, and so it's important to know.
1: You know what's interesting? I love that you said that because I actually, and I'm curious your opinion on this. I don't think we're ever going to see a lot of female studies highlighted because how if you took a hundred women, they were all were all menstrually at a different time. You would have to take a hundred women on the same cycle to actually be able to get a pretty realistic. Point of view, if you were looking at hormones,
0: right? Don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's some like you as somebody who works in hormones. Yeah, I, I agree. I because this shift in just estrogen from pre-ovulatory to post-ovulatory is huge. It's a big drop. It's supposed to be The shift yep. in your progesterone up when you ovulate is a big shift, and it's supposed to be. And so this controlled roller coaster ride of hormones mostly controlled, not everybody's controlled, mostly controlled, yep. supposed to be controlled, completely from head to toe affects our physiology Yeah. and how our biochemical reactions in our body work. So on the one hand, it makes us superheroes, but on the other hand, it's hard for researchers to study us. <laughs> right, well, and
1: so that's why, to me, I know we've been talking a lot over the last couple of years about where are our studies, where are our studies? And I kind of feel like now I'm more like, how about we just get to know our hormones for ourselves personally? So for example- when, after working with so many perimenopausal women. How do you teach perimenopausal women what I just said for right, fasting? Right. So that you, we don't typically have days that we can count on. So the symptoms help. So for example, a lot of times you're like going along your fasting groove. And you're like, ah, this is easy. I'm like rocking this. And then one morning you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to eat everything in my kitchen. And then you're like, but wait, I was going to fast 17 hours today. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be hungry. And you push against your own biology. And the, over time, as you start to understand the subtle clues, you'll see that that was progesterone, like tapping you on the shoulder, like, hey, 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 I need you to give me some glucose, cut the fasting out today. Yeah. And I find if people time their fasts the way I explained it, once day one hits, once they bleed, they're like, oh, don't give me food. Don't give it to me. And they will be like, they'll, they go from struggling to fast 13 hours to like going all day and being like, oh, this is easy. And the only thing that shifted in that moment was a hormonal change.
0: I mean, it goes for cravings. I multiple times on Instagram, which you have seen, I'm like, I warn all of Instagram land, you better go buy chocolate because I'm about to leave my house to go buy all the chocolate in the world. Like yesterday, I didn't want chocolate, but today I want all the chocolate in the world. And it's 100% hormonal. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think to give women their power back, we should
1: identify that as something really cool and unique to us. Yeah, and I I was sitting on a panel with Thomas Daylauer and Dr. Pompa and Ben Azadi and like a bunch of people where we were talking about fasting variations. I was the only woman on the panel. And so these three men are like, well, you know, you can do a 5-1-1, you can do a 4-2, like they were tricking out all their fasting variations. You're like, no, no, no. Right. And I had this momentary of like, damn, we're lucky. We just time it to our hormones and we don't have to, to go through all the thought process these men are going through. So it really is, once you clue in, it's so fun to fast to your cycle.
0: So let's talk about, you mentioned perimenopausal women, and I'm going to read this quote that you had said, because I love it so much. You wrote, and I pulled this off your Instagram. When I turned 40, I wish someone would have told me that I needed to change my lifestyle to meet the change in my hormones. Yep. And I, first of all, I resonate so much with that because I'm in my 40s, but as women are transitioning into this perimenopausal timeframe, they're listening to this going, A girl, I don't cycle or I cycle. My cycle is wonky. I can't predict it. It, I skipped last month. I had two this month. I don't know what's happening. So what do you do for women in their 40s or 50s going through this? Yeah,
1: it's a great question. So two answers to this question. The first is if I could get a megaphone that was loud enough to go across the whole world. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. Is that on Amazon? (laughs) (laughs) What would I search? Like worldwide megaphone. I would, I'd want every woman to know like 40 is that mark where you've got to change your lifestyle. And that's what the menopause reset was all about is like, here are the five things I did. I've seen work for my community. So the first thing is to have awareness that your lifestyle needs to change. Now, I don't know if you see this. I see 55, 60 year old women that haven't had a period for a decade and they still have menopausal symptoms. Oh Yeah. And I always say, well, you got to go back and just do the five lifestyle changes, one of them being fasting, and you'll clean up your lifestyle so that the hormones clean up. So that's the first thing to say. The second is if you don't know estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, it is time to get to know them. And this is what happened to me, which kind of, I laugh that at like 43, I had the Clue app out and I was like, like obsessed with everything about hormones that I, this is like 10 years ago. I was like, everything I could learn, I wanted to learn. Be And I thought, why am I learning this now as my period is stopping? right? And I just, it makes, we need to teach women or girls or teenagers how to read these symptoms. And here's from a fasting perspective, how I look at estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. I talked about progesterone. Progesterone is going to make you hungry So when you are struggling to fast, boom, let's go in. Let's start, let's not fast as much. I think that, I don't know about you on estrogen, but when estrogen's knocking at my door, usually I notice my hair's a little flat through the perimenopausal years, my skin is really dry. All my mucous membranes are really dry. Those are the days I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh God, is that a new wrinkle? Where did that come from? <laughs> you like more white light, more white light. Right. So I, I use my skin and hair to tell me that I need to mind estrogen. I use how my brain reacts when I go around a day and I'm like, God, everybody's upsetting me. I feel like I just want to take everybody down And the minute they say anything. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to like love on some estrogen. With testosterone, when I'm like, you know what my big testosterone test is, is when I'm like, yeah, I really should work out. I don't really feel like working out. And then I go to try to run and I'm like, I hate working out, which is not me. Mm-hmm. I love working out. Mm-hmm. Or my motivation for things start to go down or my libido goes down. So I think the big answer is get to know this your version. These are my versions and get to know your version so when these symptoms appear, we can adapt and make the proper lifestyle changes.
0: And how do you alter fasting for all these women that are in your groups coming to you saying, I'm 45 and I'm not menopausal, but I'm also not in the cycling realm anymore, but could I still benefit from fasting?
1: Yeah. So what we do is we typically teach them how to read the different ebbs and flows so they can come up with their own. Okay. And then we sit, we go, okay, do you want a weekly variation or a monthly? I personally like monthly because our bodies are already on a cycle of a monthly cycle. And we just go back, honestly, Carrie, and we reproduce what I just told you. Like we will put them on a 17 hour fast for the first 10 days. And then we'll bring that fast down to about 13 hours for five days. And then we'll go back up to 17, maybe throw a 24 hour fast in for a few days. And then we shut the fasting down for a week. And what's really cool is if a woman's lost her cycle, if she's got menopausal symptoms, if she doesn't know where her cycle's at, do 90 days of that and it sinks right back up. It's really like I feel like I've gone into menopause about 30 times. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm going into menopause. And then I... Groundhog's Day. Yeah. And then I like clean stuff up. I change some things. I do the protocol I just told you. And then boom, I'm right
0: back in and I'm 52. And it's not looking like it's ending anytime soon. Which pros and cons, but yeah, a lot of pros with all those hormones. And... Mostly pros. Mostly pros in the yeah. systemic. I don't think so many times you and I've talked like estrogen gets vilified yeah. a lot, right? Oh, estrogen, PMS, estrogen... Fibroids, estrogen, worsens endometriosis. I completely get that. I understand it. But ultimately, estrogen, estradiol in particular, is so beneficial to the body. It's just Goldilocks. It's not too much, but not too little. Otherwise, it affects brain health and heart health and bone health and all the health, skin health, all the things. And so I love hearing that. Yeah, and that's
1: I, that's what I do. I just read my symptoms and then that's what we teach women how to do. In the new book Fast Like a Girl, I ma- it's a 30-day reset that we've mapped out and so if you're 25 and trying to get pregnant and you need to clean up, use fasting to clean up your hormones, you can follow this and if you're 65 and you still have hot flashes, you can use this 30-day reset. So, we're trying to get that out. We've been doing it in my academy so far and again, it's it works like magic. But I think that's the only way is you've got to sort of make your own 30-day window. Right. Sometimes I think you and I have talked about this. One thing that I've done too was, and my postmenopausal women really love this, is we start the ovulation window on the full moon. So Yes. Oh yeah. Even though they're not ovulating, I just say, hey, let's pretend it's the full moon. So let's pretend you were ovulating and let's start a 30-day fasting experience starting with that moving through all the different late fasts.
0: And you sync them right up? Yep. Yeah. It's kind of fun. So cool. I can't wait for this book.
1: I'm so excited for it.
0: We've been really talking about hormones, which of course you'll go into in in your book as well uh, and on your your, your site and everything, which we'll talk about at the end. But what else does fasting do? But everyone's listening like, all right, got it. I'm going to start syncing to my cycle. Yeah, It's going to help my hormones. But you mentioned a lot of things in the beginning and I want you to just sort of retouch on that.
1: Yeah. So let's walk through what's happening with the body because I think at each time period is so important to understand. So if you have been eating breakfast and thinking that six meals a day is making you skinny, you probably have never been known about your fat burning system. You've only been operating from your sugar burner system. And the sugar burner system is not bad. And we, I like to look at the foods we eat as food as medicine. But anytime your blood sugar goes up, you are out of a fasted state and you are in the sugar burner system. After about eight hours after your last meal, your body's gonna slowly make the shift and over into this fat burning system or what we call the ketogenic energy system. Now for you, you might make that switch at 10 hours. For me, I might make it at 14 hours. Somebody else, that switch, it may be the switch might be a little rusty or they have a lot of toxins or there's a lot of stress in their life. And they're not making the switch until 24 hours. So this is why I say that switch is really bio-individuality at its finest. Once you get over into the fat-burning place, you'll know you're there through by a couple of things. And it usually typically happens about 13 hours. The first thing is you'll start making ketones. So if you have a ketone reader, you'll look down and you'll be like, oh, I'm 0.3. Oh, I'm moving there. Okay, now I'm 0.5. Like you, if you watch those things, you'll make ketones. The second thing that'll happen is your hunger goes down and your mind should become much more clear. So this is a big one for women and for the perimenopausal, postmenopausal woman, because this is where ketones can supercharge us and bypass the brain fog that happens from perimenopause and menopause. So usually I have a sense when I know ketones hit without looking at a meter, I'll be like, oh yeah, so mentally clear right now. My energy is really good and I'm not hungry. When those three things are happening, they're usually an indication that you are in that fat-burning ketogenic system. So at that point, inflammation's coming down. We have evidence that growth hormone is starting to improve. In men, we have evidence that testosterone goes up. We don't have that on women, but at least we can get in the ballpark that testosterone's going up. And so that happens at 13 hours. At 17 hours, you're, for most people, autophagy will start to happen. And autophagy is where the intelligence in the cell goes, Oh my God, like we're not getting the blood sugar has been low for a long time. So we better clean our act up. And so it looks around the cell and it starts to repair everything inside the cell to make it more efficient. This is a beautiful thing. This is how we slow aging down. Because we can start to tap into the cellular repair every day. Sometimes the cell goes, the intelligence goes, this is messed up. This cell's bad and it's going rogue. So we better kill this thing. It's called apoptosis. It'll break that cell down. And then that's where it gets a little tricky because if you have heavy metals, uh, some of the environmental toxins, they'll actually get redistributed into other parts of your body. So that's a whole nother ball of wax. But that happens, it starts at 17 hours. Autophagy, they say, based off science, goes anywhere from 17 to 72 hours. They believe it peaks at 72 hours of fasting. So again, a whole nother discussion that I feel like I've answered thousands of questions on social media about. Um, 24 hours, your microbiome resets. So you're gonna see, and this is actually, this is a good one, not to call out any names, but there is a popular podcast right now by a Stanford doctor who everybody's in love with his neuroscience, as am I. But he put something out saying, don't fast longer than 24 hours because it will create holes in your the mucosal membrane of your gut. Okay. I saw that. Yes. So let's talk about that. How many times did you get tagged?
0: <laughs> oh, I got, oh my God.
1: I was like 30 minutes from Stanford. I was about to go up and knock on his door and be like, excuse me. Excuse me. I wanted you to know what I've been answering this week. So, you know, what happens is, yeah, you get the microbiome breaks down so that it can build itself stronger again. So at 24 hours, the microbiome, the bad bacteria breaks down, the whole environment inside that mucosal lining. There's actually evidence that the bacteria start to spread apart. They call it geographical microdiversity that the bacteria aren't stuck together. They start to spread out so that they can be more helpful to you when they are over a bigger picture of your intestinal tract. The old stuff dies away and you get stem cells. So if you've had a leaky gut, you get immediate repair of that leaky gut. That happens at 24 hours. Okay. And then by the way, the end of that one is when you refeed, You put some sauerkraut in there, put some fermented yogurts, put something some good fermented foods and you are going to grow yourself an incredible microbiome. So there's that. 36 hours. 36 hours is enough time for your body to have to go find glucose somewhere else. So it's like, huh, I know I stored some glucose here like a few years ago when you're eating cheeseburgers all day. Like (laughs) there was somewhere that you put it. I think it was like on your hips, maybe around your belly. Okay, I'm going to use that now. I actually saved it for a rainy day. So now I'm going to go ahead. Today's the rainy day. I'm going to go ahead and use that. That happens at 36 hours. And you notice you lose weight and you feel amazing. 48 hours, you reset the dopamine pathways. So, and it it really is because you haven't had food, 48 hours, so joy has gone down a little bit, but you are repairing that system and you actually create new dopamine receptor sites. What this means, if you're really careful is you're going to enjoy food a whole lot more. So I don't know if you've heard people say this, but people will say, I'm just not hungry now that I know how to fast. And I will say, yeah, you don't need as much food, but how much do you enjoy your food? And usually they're like, oh yeah, I do. If you can slow down and enjoy good quality food, you won't find that you when you've, after you've reset those pathways, you don't need as much to bring you joy. You also don't need 10 hours of Netflix binge watching to bring you as much joy. <laughs> you might one episode, I love it. one episode <laughs> might actually work. So so, anyways, so that happens at 48. And at 72, Walter Longo's research was that it, your whole immune system reboot and you start to get stem cells. And what we see clinically is musculoskeletal injuries, aging, things you just can't quite figure out how to heal or why they're not healing. That's where we can
0: start to throw some of these longer at to get some stem cells. I mean, I don't know if anyone listening wouldn't be convinced that fasting in some regard isn't the way, right? Like isn't the way to lowering inflammation, repairing, healing, growing, using up adipose tissue that stored away for a rainy day that you probably don't want. Yep. All the things. All the things. All the things. Yeah. I was
1: just talking, I was just interviewing a guy on my podcast And he said he had had a conversation with David Sinclair, who was saying the number one tool that we have in our lifestyle box to slow aging down is time-restricted eating. Yeah. Eating. It's fasting. Yeah. It's the number one tool. It's free. The busiest person on the planet can do it. The poorest person on the planet can do it. Everybody needs to know how to fast. And if you haven't started yet, it's time.
0: Well, and I think the key word is know how to fast. And that's why I, one, love having you on, but two, love having you as a resource because it's intimidating to a lot of people. The idea of fasting, the idea of compressing their eating window, the idea of not putting something in their mouth, it's mind over matter, right? They freak out. I can't eat. No, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is like, it's not like forever, but it might be for 15 hours. Let's start with 15 or 13 hours. Let's start with 13 hours and then and move up from there. And you have an entire... You give so much free advice away on your podcast and your Instagram that so many people can start there, but then you also can dive in a lot deeper and you hold a lot of hands, which is what I really appreciate. And you do it funny, so.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not as funny as you. I'm, getting, I'm literally got to get, yes. <laughs> I to step up my reels. Here's the thing I would say is, I know that the key to long-term happiness is being of service to others. Mm-hmm. And I have made a decision at my 52, 53, Second year, year of life, year, <laughs> year of life. That's I just want to change the way that women specifically are approaching their health. And every woman needs to know how to fast because it doesn't cost money. Why should healthcare be expensive when yeah. you have a tool like fasting that you can start with and clean up the hormonal system? And then you can go and figure out what tools need to come from there. So, yeah, it is a lot of handholding. It is a content machine we've got. But gosh, you know that I'm sure you get this. When I get stories of people who are like, I got off this medication. I lost a hundred pounds. I, my doctor, I've sent my doctor to your channel. Now I just sit back and go, I've never met that person. They've never paid me a dime. I think that's what it means to be a positive human on this planet, contributing to the good of all people. And it really brings me so much joy.
0: Here, here. And that's why I have you on today because you do just freely give it away. Right. You just like this whole time, you've just been outlining the pros, the benefits, the the hows, the menstrual cycle, the menopause. You just say it. You're, I mean, yes, you have a book coming out and yes, you have an academy, but at the same time, you're like, here, here you go. Like, just take it. Here's how you get started. Yeah. Yeah. Because we we're at a turning point
1: with healthcare. I don't know if you feel this, but totally. I feel like coming out of the pandemic, everybody's a little bit confused. And they're confused as to what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did this virus take us down? Did the vaccine help us? I'm not really sure. Like, everybody has their questions and their opinions. But what I can tell you is a paradigm was broken. And for those of us in healthcare, it was a little turbulent. We were like, oh my God, I, I don't know about you. I was like, when we first went in the pandemic, I was like, everybody's gonna take care of their health. It's gonna be amazing. And then like six months later. Then- yeah, six months later, I was like, oh my God, everybody's waiting inside their house for the vaccine. What's wrong with people? Don't they have faith in themselves? And then, oh my God, now we're fighting about the vaccine. And then, okay, wait, but the vac, did it do its job? Did it not? Like there was so much confusion. And what I want to say coming out of this, if you go back and you look at the 1918 pandemic that happened there, it lasted two years. And out of that came two things. One, the roaring 20s. And the Roaring Twenties had five themes to it. And one of them is what they call the new woman. And the new woman that emerged out of that pandemic was the flapper. Yeah. She cut her hair short. She started smoking and drinking, which I'm not advocating for. She put her, hiked up her skirt and she became less ladylike. Okay, on that, we have that opportunity as women to stand up and to say, I no longer take an one size fits all approach to health. I am a woman who has hormones. I need you to teach me how to live my life according to hormones. Okay, second thing that came out of that pandemic was penicillin. Mm. So penicillin was founded, developed in the early 1920s. And for the last hundred years, we have been obsessed with antibiotics to the point that we decided, gosh, we probably shouldn't make any more antibiotics because these bugs are becoming so big and harmful to us. Well, that's the second part we have the opportunity to think about right now. Okay, did we really enjoy that experience? Did we like being fearful? Did we like having to mask up? What did we know about our microbiome? How did we know cortisol's effect on our body? Was staying inside and being in front of blue light all day good for us? These are all questions we should ask ourselves so that we can emerge out of this stronger. So when the next virus appears, the next whatever appears, we have more faith in our body. And that to me is the direction healthcare is going, which is so exciting.
0: And I love reading the stories. I love reading the stories of people, whether they're pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, got COVID, got COVID and had the vaccine, no matter what, like the stories of people who were like, you know, I needed to make a change no matter what, no matter what I chose, I needed to make a change. And those are the stories that I really appreciate of people who said, yeah, I was pretty unhealthy by conventional standards. My numbers yep. were bad. My blood pressure was bad. My cholesterol was bad. My blood sugar was bad. And I realized, and actually, the fear more motivated them to make some changes. Yeah. Right? I walk more. I've lost weight. I exercise now. I drink more water, whatever it is. I get in the sun. I ask my doctor for a vitamin D test. And I love seeing those in the comments. I love seeing those in the DMs. Again, no matter what your background, I don't care. It's the positive outcome of. I'm going to make changes. Like I need to make changes. I yeah. can't go through that again. I yeah. don't want to go through that again. And that's what's really exciting to me where people watching free information like that you you're giving out going I can do that. Yep. I can do that. I can, I have have a treadmill that's stacked full of clothes. And if I'm staying inside, I might as well get my 10,000 steps in and start somewhere. You know, I can yeah. order less Uber Eats or switch the kind of food that I'm ordering when I order Uber Eats or whatever it is. And I think that was really exciting to see people exactly what you said, put two and two together and go this isn't working for me. My my choices aren't working for me and I'm going to start making some changes.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think I saw a post in the beginning of the pandemic that somebody said, I can't wait to meet the person I will be on the other side of this pandemic. And I feel like if we all look at that, let's go back and look at who we were before and who we are now. And do we want to go back to that person? Because there's something new that has emerged. And to your point, I, I definitely like... I. This is not a discussion on vaccines. It is a discussion on personal responsibility. Yeah. And the new version of healthcare, especially for women, is making the right choice for you. And that means educating yourself. You can't necessarily show up at the doctor's office anymore and say, here are my symptoms, blah, 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 fix them. If you want to do that, you're going to be on a bumpy path. But if you want to understand your body in as many unique ways as possible, you are in for a, a beautiful treat. You're going to see what you're living in is a flipping miracle. And you're gonna, if you've been villainizing your PMF symptoms, oh my God, dial that that in and you're going to see that when you get a dose of progesterone, she is amazing. So it's really about taking our power
0: back through knowledge. Which you know I'm 100% here for. I'm all about that empowerment, right? When people go to the doctor and they go, I don't feel fine, but I'm told I'm fine. Right. That drives me nuts more than anything. When somebody says, well, I feel like crap, but yet all my lab work came back normal. So what do I do now? I'm like, right. let's educate and empower. Let's do this. <laughs> yep,
1: exactly. And and it, I think as women, since we're on that topic, mm-hmm. is it takes us saying, uh, no more. I'm not going to walk in and be told that I'm crazy I'm not going to walk in with a pack of symptoms and be given an SSRI prescription. I'm not going to accept a prognosis that I may not intuitively in my gut feel like is the right prognosis that's coming just because this person has a DR in front of their name. So it's really a cool moment in time. It's really fun to watch people slowly take that power back.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Thank you for empowering yeah. everyone who's listening. I think you'd for, you know, you know, everyone listening right now was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's fantastic. Tell everyone how they can find you. Where can they find you? Where can they listen to you? Yeah. Your podcast, social media, YouTube, all the things. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I found the make. I found all the things. I found the megaphone.
1: First, I want to say thank you to you because I literally, I think it's like a mutual love affair. I send everybody your way. I think I grew your Instagram. I'm pretty sure that was. (laughs) I'm sure. Yes, you did. Yes. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was my people coming to you that grew the Instagram. No. And I just love what you're doing because it's the more of us that are out there teaching, the more women can become this empowered version of themselves where can you find me? You can go to drmindypels.com and everything is there. I would say that YouTube's still my passion project. I put a lot of time and effort into research and coming up with very clear videos over there. So if you can handle a video that's longer than a minute, head on over to, to YouTube. Instagram, we try to chunk those videos down. If you go into my stories, you can see what I'm eating, how long I'm fasting, what I'm doing. So the Instagrams that way. Facebook, we actually have a Facebook group where called the Resetter Collaborative, where we experiment with different fasts once a month. We try out different lengths, and it's a community that supports each other. And then if all of that gets confusing, you can join my academy, which is a low cost membership group where we are a community teaching women specifically how to fast. And you
0: have books. Oh, in my book. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Okay. What the audience doesn't know is I started off this whole conversation saying, you know, my kids have left the house and I'm (laughs) selling my practice and like all these things are changing. So I'm a little unearthed. Yes, I have books. So the book that came out, the most recent one is the menopause reset. So it's a straightforward to the point, easy read. And it's the five lifestyle changes. You can find that on Amazon. And the new one I'm so excited about, and I will be giving you credit. You'll have to, when you get it, in fact, I'm going to oh. send it to you. You got to go into the acknowledgements. I'm going to have a little, I will I'm gonna have a couple words of love for you there. And, but it's called Fast Like a Girl. And Hay House, amazing, just saw my vision, gave me an incredible book deal, said, let's I do f- this, let's get this out into the world. And so, Fast Like a Girl, it will be out in December. We're going to put it out the week before New Year's. We're going to just go right in at the... I love it. At all With all the other health books, but I'm really excited about it. It really helps. To me, this book will be the one if women have questions about fasting because I go through six different fasts, six different length fasts, how to time it to your hormones. And what do you do if you don't have a cycle? What do you do if you're menopausal? What do you do? Like there's so many little nuances that women need to know. So I spent hours trying to write all those into this book. So it was easy
0: for women. I can't wait. Thank well, Dr. Mindy, thank you so much for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. It has been oh, thank you. amazing as usual. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you. And congrats on the new podcast. I'm just so excited
0: for you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.